Now, we use the name Pierce here because we all know our brother that well, meaning this is home base and the home church. But we want you to be much in prayer as you plan to attend the service and then pray for these fine folks as they've come to make this a special day for them and especially God's hand and leadership in this fine young man's life and his family as they step out to serve God. So we trust you'll make it a whole day of fellowship with us here at Brainerd Baptist Church. God bless you now as we continue to sing and lift God's praises in melody and song together. No service of worship ought to be without a time of, of repentance and recognition of, of the need for God's guidance in our lives. Hymn number 213 reminds us of this as we sing, Savior, like a shepherd lead us. Let's sing the first and third stanzas. <laughs> soloist this morning is a member of our school faculty and we're delighted to have Carla Carroll sing for us today. She's Mrs. Tony Carroll and Tony's accompanying her here and we're delighted to have him in our school and for her to lead us in our worship through song today. Carol? We've had a little problem with sound this morning but God is a lot bigger than any sound system so we're just going to change courses and go to plan B and move right on. The scripture says that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And it's because of that that the real desire of my heart is to, to please God, to let him live in my life in such a way that he is able to be himself in me. I'd like to share with you this morning, it's my desire. <laughs> Yeah. 
It's my desire to be like Jesus. It's my desire to be just like Him. Though often I failed and brought Him much pain, it's my desire to live for Him. It's my desire to help someone. scripture passage this morning is found in the 28th chapter of the book of Job. Job, the 28th chapter, the first 10 verses. The 10th verse is the text for the message this morning under the title of Learning to See Like God. Surely there is a vein for the silver 
and a place for gold where they find it. Iron is taken out of the earth and brass is molten out of the stone. He setteth an end to darkness and searcheth out all perfection, the stones of darkness and the shadow of death. The flood breaketh out from the inhabitant, even the waters forgotten of the foot, they are dried up, they are gone away from men. As for the earth, out of it cometh bread, and under it is turned up as it were fire. The stones of it are the place of sapphires, and it hath dust of gold. There is a path which no fowl knoweth, and which the vulture's eye hath not seen. The lion's whelps have not trodden it, nor the fierce lion passed by it. He putteth forth his hand upon the rocks. He overturneth the mountains by the roots. He cutteth out rivers among the rocks and his eye seeth every precious thing. Let us pray. Dear Father, we rejoice in the refreshing rain and give thanks to you, the giver of every good and perfect gift. Help us, Father, as we would seek an understanding of your word, as we would help, Father, a world in which we live to know you. Help us to learn to look at the world the way you look at us. And help us to choose our priorities and base our actions upon that which has the stamp of the eternal and not just time. I pray your blessings upon all who have gathered in this room. Meet each need, bless each life, bring light where there is darkness, bring strength where there is weakness, bring peace where there is confusion or chaos. Bring salvation where there is spiritual death. O oh, dear God, grant us to know your place, your presence, your peace in this place, this hour. For it is in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. He leadeth me, O oh blessed thought. We're reminded of his presence as we sing hymn number 218, stanzas one and three. Let's stand as we sing.
By your hand you have led us here this morning to worship you. Father, we pray this morning as we have come to this special time of offering that we would be truly your followers, that you would lead us to give not only of our time, our talents, and our money, but ourselves. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your love. And most of all, for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
learning to see as God sees. That's a very difficult task. For while we look out in a world and see many, many things, what we understand about what we see and understand about what we experience is always conditioned by the experiences of life that have touched us. Certainly, it is impossible for any one of us to be able to have the total perspective that God has as he looks out upon his world. But that must never stop us from urgently praying as we study his word, as we seek to know more about him, must never stop us from trying, trying to look at our corner of the world the way God does, and somehow to gain his perspective. Job, that classic of the Old Testament, as the picture for us out of ancient days of a man so buffeted by the experiences of life that he could not fully grasp or understand, yet across the millenniums has come to us as a magnificent example of one who would always trust God. In this wonderful, wonderful bit of exhortation that he gives us, he states in that sixth verse of the 28th chapter that we have read, the stones of it are the place of sapphires, and it hath dust of gold. Where we see stones, God sees sapphires where we are so prone to see dust, God sees gold. He declared he cutteth out rivers among the rocks, and his eye seeth every precious thing. I do not have to recount for you the dark and evil events that sweep through our world, those things that affect us on a large cosmic and global level, touch our lives. Often we know of it, often we do not, but we are affected by decisions made, made in Washington, made in Moscow, made in London, made in the Near East, made in the Far East. A handful of men make decisions that affect our lives. In our own little corner of the world, I do not have to rehearse 
that in every one of our lives there are the dark strands woven into the tapestry of our lives. There are those events that we wish had not happened. There are those times that have come to us that we wish we could erase. There are even winds that blow and buffet about us even now that we cannot fully understand. As we look at the history of man, as we look at our own lives, as we trace back into our, into our own experiences in life, we have been on a perpetual quest, a quest to discover what life is really all about. We constantly are peering into a dark world to discover its secrets and to discover its meaning. The scientist, in the discovery of the things of the physical world, in the use of modern, magnificent new equipment, the electron microscope and the electronic telescope, telescopes placed upon satellites hurled in the ten thousands of miles out into space that bring back for us through that wonderful computer technology, the photography of worlds beyond the vision of man before the generation in which we have lived. It's a marvelous time when you consider all of the capability of man peering out into what has been a dark world physically. We rejoice in every advance on the horizon of medicine as day by day, dedicated men and women peer into the mysteries of the body, seeking to discover those things that cause our diseases and then to find a cure and a help. In the spiritual realm, certainly there is a great deal of darkness, but thank God for those who peer into spiritual darkness and seek to walk by the light that Jesus provides. Oh, this matter of groping out into a world trying to see in the dark places. We have many questions. The questions that Job asked, that his so-called comforters ask him, that every one of us have asked as the crises of life have touched us, is life worth living? Does the good outweigh the bad that touches our lives so often? Is life worthwhile? Does life have purpose? Or is life simply a haphazard something to be lived just day by day without any central purpose or direction? Do we live our lives in the sense that there is a goal that we are to move toward? There are victories that we are to have? Or again, is life simply haphazard and accidental for the most part as we are buffeted by those things that we somehow cannot control? But oh, we have so much encouragement Encouragement as we look around us. Encouragement in the lives of Christian saints. Encouragement in the lives of men and women who, while not finding all the answers, 
have discovered that indeed God does have the answer. As we study his word, as we read it page by page and verse by verse, we come to understand that though we cannot see all in a dark world, God does see all. And that which we call stones, God says, don't throw the stones away, for you might be throwing sapphires away. We look about us and are irritated at the dust of life. And God says, don't be so irritated at what you call dust. It's gold that I have put there for you. I have tried to discover out of Job's experience. I've tried to discover out of my own experiences of life some of the truths that have come to help me in my own dark days. And I just invite you to Share with me a personal pilgrimage in the truths that I've discovered out of God's Word and out of the experiences of life. So many of those experiences happening right here in this very place that have helped me across the dark days. It is the truth that God has always seen the sunshine when I have often been able to see only the clouds. The Bible, the Bible's full of illustrations of this. You remember old Jacob? Jacob had lived a long time. There came that time toward almost the end of his life when the brothers, his sons, sold the young boy whom he loved as a slave to a bunch of folks on a caravan on the way to Egypt, they told the poor old man that the brother had been eaten by the wild animals and he was sorrowful. He thought he had lost his boy forever. The sun was blacked out for poor blind old Jacob. He said, me, you have bereaved of my children. Joseph is not. Simeon is not. Now you will take Benjamin away. That is when, in the midst of the terrible drought and famine, those brothers had gone to Egypt and there, there, they discovered that the one they had sold into slavery was the second most important man politically on the face of the earth, the prime minister of the great empire of Egypt. And he said to them as they turned to go back, bring back my little brother. I want to see him. When those brothers went back to the blind old father, and said, the prime minister of Egypt wants us to bring the young lad. It was almost more than the old man could take. But God saw what old Jacob could not see. While Jacob 
with a broken heart, thought he was bereft of that which was closest and dearest to him. God saw that God was working great and marvelous and wonderful things for all the people of the then civilized world. And he was using Jacob's boys to bring it about. The Old Testament and the New constantly parades before us the lives of men and women who it would appear become for us illustrations of God's working. Nobody in plotting out his life would want to say, on Tuesday of next week, I'd like to be in a little frail boat out in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea and have a good strong wind come up and have that old ship, little old ship sink and just about drown. Nobody would want to plot that out for next Tuesday afternoon for his life. Nobody in his right mind would say, in about six months from now, I sure would like to be in Rome and I'd really be happy if they clapped me in jail. Just throw me down in prison, chain me to a wall, spit on me some. Nobody in his right mind would plan that as to what he'd want to happen to him six months away. And yet you know, you know about old Paul. All of that was darkness for Paul. All of that was stones. All of that was like dust thrown in his face. But God was saying to Saul, who became Paul, the great preacher, the great missionary, God was saying to him, that which you think are stones, I'm going to turn to gold for you. That which you think is dust, I'm going to turn it into gold and it'll be sapphires and you'll play with them in your hand and rejoice. There came that moment and there came that time when Paul was able to look back upon some of those horrible experiences and he said, don't you worry about me and don't you have pity for me and don't you worry that things have been bad for me. He says, for all these things have worked out to the furtherance of the gospel. He had discovered the stones were really sapphires and the dust were really gold. Now you see, when we can come to a place, even that limited place, where we can see things as God sees things, when we can look upon the events of our lives as God looks upon the events of our lives, that then brings us courage. Now, it is true, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, now I see through a glass darkly, but someday I'm going to be able to see things as, as God sees things. That's the wonder of it. We don't have to wait till we die, until we cross the Jordan River, until we go through the pearly gates, until we stand in the glories of heaven in order to get some sense or semblance out of the terrible darkness and the things that buffet us in this life. When those things do come to us, then it's time for us to retreat a little be quiet while, open his word a little more often, get down on our knees and pray the prayer, God, dear God, 
I don't really understand this. Help me. Help me to see it like you see it. Help me. God sees the motive in the human heart where I have only been able to see the deed. It is true, the Bible is absolutely clear that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We need to be so careful about what we think about. We need to be careful what we read. We need to be careful what we look at constantly and continually on the television. We need to be careful about the conversation we engage in as the pattern of life. For as a man thinketh in his heart, as a woman thinketh in her heart, as a boy or girl thinketh in their heart, so they are. Jesus gave us that clear word that one knows the difference between a grapevine and a lemon tree by the fruit. You know the kind of tree it is, the kind of vine it is by the fruit that it bears. But you see, you and I are human beings. We can really only see that which a person does. We can only really listen to that which a person says. Those are the externals. We have to remember that only God can really see the motive, the heart, and the intention. But the measure of life is its motive. Success or failure are relatively unimportant in this life. But the motive by which we live our lives, this is vital. Well, when we stand at the judgment, and all of us are going to, every once in a while I put that thought back somewhere and file it away in a deep, dark, black recess, I guess sort of hoping it won't happen, but it will. We'll all, Christian and non-Christian, We'll all stand before him. Those of us who are Christian, not to decide whether we have heaven or not, that was decided by Jesus. And then in that moment when we put our trust in him, that was signed and sealed and delivered forever and ever. But as Christians, you and I are going to have to have a little conversation with God about some things. The way we've lived our life as a Christian, what we've done with the talents that he's given us, what we've done with the influence that has been ours, what we've done with the treasures that he's put in our hands. Have we treated sapphires as though they were stones? Have we handled gold as though it were merely dust to be vacuumed up and thrown away? Or have we started to live life looking at life through his eyes seeing every precious thing. You see, none of us can hide behind an excuse that we didn't have much. None of us are going to be able to look into the face of God and say, well, I would really like to have done more for you, God, but you really shortchanged me in life. You didn't give me very much to do with. No, it won't work that way. Because there are too many times in the New Testament especially God has told us that 
those with least can accomplish the most for him. God is able to see victory where often we see defeat. And God tells us that many that are here in the first place are going to be down at the bottom of the pile when Judgment Day rolls around. So you see, one of those truths not only is that God sees the sunshine where I am so prone and often to see the darkness, and not only that God is able to see the motive where I'm only able to see the deed, is that God is able to see saints where so often I've just seen sinners. You see, I'm just sharing with you some personal pilgrimage truths gleaned along the way. It's a terrible thing to consign some folks as being out of the reach of God. I have to confess before God and before you, I've been guilty of that. Thinking that some folks were so far gone, so far away from God, so mean, so ugly, so vile, so dirty, they were really outside the reach of God. But along the way, I, I hope I've learned that often where I've only seen sinners, God's been able to look down and to see saints. In 1648, there was a man named John Gifford. He was a royalist soldier. He was captured, and he was sentenced to die on the gallows. But by some miracle, he escaped, and he lived. But he did not live to be a good man. He lived a vile and a filthy life, drunken and debauched. But through a very strange providence, God touched his life, God used someone, and he was converted, and he became a preacher. I don't know what else he did with his life, but as a preacher of God, after that vile life that he had lived, he was responsible for the conversion of John Bunyan. And up until our generation, I really don't know how that is now, but up until our generation, John Bunyan's book, The Pilgrim's Progress, was a book read next only to the Bible in frequency. More copies of Pilgrim's Progress published up until our generation than any other book save the Bible. A book used of God in a mighty way and still used. Oh, how I could... Wish I could require every new Christian and every middle-aged Christian, every old Christian to read Pilgrim's Progress every year. If I could require that, that means I'd do it again myself. And I have to admit, I haven't read it in a long time. But oh, when I used to read it regularly, it was a blessing to my soul. Now that old, vile, debauched guy who became a Christian was responsible for the winning of John Bunyan. In 1730, there was a 16-year-old boy who was serving at Bell Inn in Gloucester Inn. Fell to drinking. He drifted down. He lived a, a life that was a disappointment to everybody that knew him. But one day he became a Christian. And that boy was John Whitfield. He became the great evangelist, and he evangelized the whole East Coast 
in the earliest generations of this American land of ours, from Massachusetts to Georgia, he aroused a sleeping Scotland, and he became a great man. You see where the world, where we, if we had been in his generation, would have seen only the sinner. God saw the potential saint. In our own time, there is that story of Miss Pittman, that wonderful little black woman who made such a singular mark in an effort have an influence for rights for all people. And it is said that Miss Pittman, long knowing that someday in her time and in her generation, there would come some little black boy who would make a difference for his people. And it is said that she would look down at the little tiny fella so many times, little, little fellas, and she'd say, is you the one? Is you the one? We go into the nursery. We go into our, to our classes where the little folks are, and we just see them as the little folks. But oh, they can become in Christ Jesus. And that's the joy of having influence on little lives. God was able to see the missionary evangelist in the old blaspheming Saul. God was able to see in the eyes of Jesus flaming apostles by illiterate fishermen. God was able to see a resurrection witness in that woman who was so vile and despised that it is described as being possessed by a demon. Oh, Mary Magdalene, a flaming witness in that demon-possessed madman of the Gadarenes. Oh, listen. You see, when God looks, God is able to see the potential saint where so often I have just seen a dirty sinner. So in the midst of the world in which we live, in the midst of this day and this time, and wherever you are at life at this moment, at whatever point you are in your life, whatever kinds of winds are blowing about you, whatever kinds of uncertainties, whatever kinds of opportunities, whatever kinds of anything that beat about you, do you see how important it is that somehow you not make any decision that does not include God. That you look at your circumstance somehow with the eyes of God. And then in that we can take courage as we take Christ. As our part of the miracle is believing as our part of the miracle is sharing, as our part of the miracle is telling others, don't be discouraged. God lives. God sees. God is at work. 
God heals. God cleans up dirty folks. God cheers up the disheartened. God is at work. Job said it. The stones of it are the place of sapphires, and it hath dust of gold. Hymn number 349, Have Thine Own Way, Lord, Have Thine Own Way. That's the only way you'll ever begin to look at life as God looks at life when you let him have his way in your life. 349, I invite you to trust Christ today. No matter who you are or where you are or what you do for a living or have done for a living, no matter anything about family or education or status, no matter anything, 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 most important thing in all the world is Jesus. And I invite you to trust him. Commit your life to him. He'll make your life better. If you're a Christian, you're living in Chattanooga, your membership is off somewhere else, why don't you stay close to him and to his work and to his church by bringing your membership here? And it just might be that as a member of this congregation, you've been seeing the clouds more often than you ought to lately. Maybe you just need to pray as some other folks sing. God, let me glimpse your sunshine once again. And he'll hear your prayer and he'll bless you. 349, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. We stand and sing with you, God. In just a moment, I want to ask the choir to sing just one more verse, and then the invitation is over for this morning. Any darkness?
in any corner of your life. Any problems you've been struggling with you haven't been able to get solved. Any heartaches that somehow just, somehow don't get lifted. Turn it over to Jesus this morning. Ask him to help. Thank you, Brother Doug. We are indeed grateful, Brother Ralph, for your faithfulness to the Word. And it's been good for my heart, and I'm sure for all of us today. You will note the last page of your bulletin for church activities. For this day, be faithful and attend the services that close out this wonderful day here at the House of God. Don't forget the activities on Wednesday night. We're in a series of Bible studies, and I'll be bringing the message Wednesday night on the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian. Be faithful to attend this good series of Bible study, as well as prayer time as our church family gathers to seek God. And then you'll notice also we have activities at the end of the week starting Thursday night right here in the auditorium, a special seminar on the evils and the dangers of the rock music world and ask that you will be faithful as young people and those who are interested parents to be here. Again, it's a joy to share in our fellowship. We want to give special welcome to Tony and his wife here today and family. Nice to have you with us. And of course, the McIntyre family will be inducing all of them tonight and have you have a chance to personally meet with them and share with them. They're right over here, I believe, in the church family pew on this side if you would like to just share time with them today. And Brother Ralph, again, a joy to have you with us. If you'll join my wife and I at the front of the church as the folks are dismissed, it'll be a joy to be with you up there at the door. Our Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the day, for thy wonderful, wonderful word that's so revealing and so applicable to our daily lives. And for your servants of God, we rejoice today to have our former pastor, our friend, our servant of God, who has given his time and life to this particular place and our joy to share today in the wonderful ministry of Jesus Christ with him and his family and the providence of God that has moved in their lives and their children. Encourage us now as we lift up our heads and look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, as we're dismissed from this service, but not from your presence, and to make this a continual day of praise and blessing and commitment. And we'll give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. We are